You're listening to the Christ Church Toronto podcast, a recording of the Sunday sermons from Christ Church Toronto. Christ Church Toronto is a new church in Toronto's East End that seeks to practice the ancient Christian faith today. We would love for you to join us in the future, but until then, please turn your attention to the scripture reading. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. Also, on either side of the river, the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads and night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. And he said to me, these words are trustworthy and true. And the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, has sent his angel to show his servants what must soon take place. And behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I heard and saw them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed them to me. But he said to me, you must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers, the prophets, and with those who keep the words of this book, worship God. And he said to me, do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is near. Let the evildoer still do evil, and the filthy still be filthy, and the righteous still do right, and the holy still be holy. Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me, to repay everyone for what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes, for they may have the right to to, to the tree of life, and that they may enter the city by the gates. Outside are the dogs and sorcerers and the sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come, and let the one who hears say, Come, and let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without price. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in this book. He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with all. Amen. This is the word of the Lord for our church, and it is given for our good. Please join with me in prayer, and then we'll dive into the text together. Let us pray. Father, we know that your word is truth, and we thank you for 
revealing your will, God, in your word. Your word is a lamp unto our feet, and it guides us in, in this life. It guides us through darkness. It gives us hope, and it encourages our souls. So, Lord, we do ask that we would be encouraged once again. Instruct us in ways that we ought to be instructed. Convict sin in the places that we have yet to um, face. Would you lead us, God, to, to being a people of hope, people of righteousness who worship you and praise you? Speak, O oh Lord, as your people listen. Amen. <clears throat> have you ever lost something, something of great value to you, something maybe that's still lost to this day? When I was in elementary school, I lost my Nintendo DS. If you don't know what that is, it's a portable gaming device, and after church, me and my friends would play together the whole time while the adults are having coffee and conversing. But one day, I came home from school and realized that it wasn't in my backpack. I went to, I went to school the next day, hoping that it was there, but I could never find it. It's still gone to this day. I remember being so distraught, so frustrated, at myself for losing something at the time was so important to me. Have you ever lost something like this? You know, a Nintendo DS might be a silly example, but imagine something that is of great value, unreplaceable, priceless, something that you prize and cherish. What a tragedy it would be to lose such a thing. Perhaps the wedding rings on the wedding day or losing a watch passed down from generation to generation. What a tragedy. The lengths that we might go to try to find that item, you would scour your house, would you not? Rummaging through every possible place that it would be. We would long for this item to be recovered, restored to us for, this, for what was lost to be found. And in our text, text today, in the last section of this great vision that the Apostle John is seeing of the new heavens and the new earth, the angel of the Lord is touring him around what the heavenly city will be like, what it looks like. And finally, we're getting to kind of the center of the city, the downtown core. And here the imagery shifts from being a city to looking more like a garden. And the Apostle John sees the river flowing from the throne of God in the middle of the street, a tree on either side bearing fruit. And it's interesting how the, the end of history here kind of looks a lot like how it began. If you remember the first few pages of our Bible, God created all things. He called it good. The crown of creation were those whom he made in his image, human beings. Adam and Eve, God placed them in a garden, the Garden of Eden. This garden is where Adam and Eve had perfect fellowship with their God, with their creator. They had fulfillment in God as their blessedness and reward, totally satisfied of all their desires. Man walked with God. God walked with man. Deep union and deep friendship. But Adam and Eve lost something one day. Very early on in human history, they lost this friendship. They lost this deep union with their God, the one who created them. They were tempted, and they disobeyed God. The serpent, Satan, tempted them. They fell. Sin entered into them. Sin, ent sin entered into the world. They didn't lose something only, but we lost something 
as well. We too lost a friend. We lost our union with our God. And we live in light of that loss, a life of brokenness, a world of sin, pain, suffering, things that are far too familiar for a lot of us in this room, for all of us, in fact. The world experienced great loss that day, but the story of the Bible is a story of restoration, redemption, a story of recovering what was lost, fellowship and union with our God. And this is where we are headed. What John sees in the final moments of history is where we are going. God is restoring to us what was lost. He is giving us a glimpse of this final destination, this restored garden. It is in light of this garden to come that we are a people filled with hope, filled with joy, even in the face of great suffering and great pain, because we're headed there as well. And in our time together, we'll be looking at two things, the hope that is coming, but also the hope that we have now. First, the hope that is coming. We see this in the first five verses of our passage. The angel shows John what the heavenly garden will look like. He sees the river of life flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. He sees on either side of this river the tree of life bearing 12 fruits, leaves that brings healing to the nations. He sees God and the Lamb at the center of it all being worshipped by his people. This heavenly paradise is a place where only life will exist. The river of life represents the unending flow of life that comes from the source of God, flowing from the throne, filling the city where the people will dwell. Living waters often represent the Holy Spirit who resides in God's people, satisfying their thirsts. The tree of life, if you remember, this was what was lost in the Garden of Eden, but it will now be restored in this heavenly garden given access to all of God's people. This tree will represent to us the consummate entrance into the city of God. And we see this in verse 14, that those who are cleansed are given access to the tree of life and therefore entrance into the city. And upon entering the city, we see quickly that this city is not only a place of life, but there will be no more sin and no more death. We see this in the leaves that bring healing to the nations. You know, the healing is not one that comes from rubbing this leaf on your skin and then you get flawless skin. Or it doesn't come from making a tea out of it and you drink it and all your diseases are gone. But it's much better than that. The leaves that bring healing to the nations represents total healing that we will experience in that kingdom. Total healing from sin and death. Total redemption that we will experience there. Verse 3 tells us that there will be no, no more curse no longer anything accursed. The curse will be removed. The curse that was placed on Adam and Eve and all of creation, gone. Can you imagine a world with no more sin and no more suffering? No more curse. A world of no more funerals because there will be no such thing as death. A world with no more need to go to hospitals because there will be no more disease, no more sickness, no more medical scares, no more treatments. No more pain of any kind. A world with no broken families, broken relationships, no need to reconcile because there would be no such thing of a broken friendship. A world where wars would cease and only peace and prosperity will exist. A world of bliss and only laughter. A world with no more tears of sorrows but only tears of joy. 
Can you imagine a world like that? Are we all not longing for a world like that? This is where we're headed. This is where the church is going. The longer will we experience, not only will we experience restoration from sin and death, will be restored to our God. Humanity will once again experience what once was in the Garden of Eden, perfect union, friendship with this God. We see this in the latter part of verse 3, God's people around his throne worshiping him. The new Eden will be a place filled with worship, a world where we cannot keep from singing God's praise because we will be in such awe and wonder of our God and who he is and what he has done. We will be in such deep friendship with this God, his name written on our foreheads. It doesn't mean that God's name is actually going to be tattooed on our heads. At least I don't think that's what it means. If you remember the viral video of that woman who got a tattoo of the boyfriend's name on her foreheads, I doubt that's what it's going to look like. But what this is trying to say is that we'll have such deep, intimate union with our God, fellowship with him, and this fellowship will not be ever hindered again. In the earthly garden, Adam and Eve had fellowship, but it was hindered, remember? Broken because of their act of disobedience, tempted by the serpent. But in the heavenly garden, we are told that there will be no more night, no more darkness, no more fear of a serpent, no more potential sin. History will never repeat itself there. Worship will fill this place, deep fellowship with our God, and it will never be lost. Do you remember what our city was like in June 14th, 2019? The excitement that filled the air when the Raptors won the championship. Do you remember the cars honking, people yelling, the fans cheering? Sheer joy in our city. I remember walking around high-fiving random people, yelling, we the North, we the North. Complete strangers. People on that day who would have never associated with one another found for a moment peace. It didn't matter who you saw or what happened. What mattered was that the Raptors won. I wonder if what we experienced that night in our city is a little snippet, a, a, a glimpse of what the restored garden will be like. Excitement in the air, people in such joy and awe of the God who created them, the God who redeemed them, singing together about the one seated on the throne, the God and the Lamb. What will matter for all of eternity, eternity is not how the weather will be like the next day or if that Amazon package was delivered or if our family members will be well while they lie in the hospitals. What will matter would be perfect fellowship with our God because this world will have no more sin, no more sorrows, no more death. This is a world that is guaranteed to come. This isn't a potential future. It's guaranteed a world where what was lost will there be restored. Perfect fellowship with our God, and this is our hope that is coming. This is the hope that we have. But what about the hope that we have here and now, the hope that we can participate here? And we see this in verse 6 to the rest of the passage. There seems to be various aspects of this restored Eden that we actually participate in here and now in the church of God as God's people. We see worship taking place, verses 8 to 9. John sees this vision of the new city, this new restored garden. He falls to his knees and worships him. 
He is filled with hope and adoration for the restitution to come. But he mistakenly falls before the angel, and the angel urges him that he is only but a fellow servant. Worship must only be rendered to God alone. Our posture as we wait for this new city, this new garden to come, is one of worship. It is a posture that we already share in in what this heavenly garden will be like. We are a people like John, filled with hope, filled with adoration, joy for the future, but also of the hope that we have now. This restored Eden is not one that just simply starts and finishes when we get to heaven's gates, but the renovations have already begun in God's church here and now as his kingdom continues to break into this world, as the gospel is reaching the nations. Yes, it will find its final stop at the new heavens and the new earth, but it's already taking place as we journey there. The songs that we sing, the praises that we give, the life that we participate in the church of God is one that we are already participating in. That's why we meet week after week, do we not? Lord's Day after Lord's Day, Sunday after Sunday, celebrating what God has done in Jesus Christ, remembering the Christ who has come to die on the cross for the payment of sins, being raised to life, defeating sin and death once for all. This is what's taking place right now and will continue to take place. We also see cleansing happening in our text. You can turn with me to verse 14. It says, blessed are those who wash their robes so that they might have the right to the tree of life and that they might enter the city by the gate. The people who enter the city are those who have access to the tree of life. They eat of it. But it is these blessed saints who have been washed and cleansed already. Again, this cleansing is not something that only takes place in heaven. It's not like we're going to wash our hands or take a shower right before we go into this heavenly kingdom. No, but this is the cleansing that we experience even today. We confessed our sins together and we heard the words of assurance. We sang a praise to God for the wonderful work that he has done. And when we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us. We experience this cleansing now in and through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the one who made a way for us to have this forgiveness. He lived the life that we should have lived, died the death that we deserve, paying the price for all our guilt on that cross so that you would be cleansed, so that you might have life, life to the full. In chapter 7 of Revelations, it speaks about how Christians have washed their robes, made, been made white, by the blood of the Lamb, our robes today can be cleansed and are cleansed. Our sins washed because of the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ on the cross 2,000 years ago. But we also see what's happening in this text is that the thirst that the saints, that the people of God experience can be satisfied here on earth. We see this in verse 17. The spirit and the bride say, come, and let the one who hears say, come, and let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without price. Our deepest longings, the thirsts of our hearts can be satisfied in the one who gives this water, living water. If you remember in John 7, Jesus is the one who provides this water. There in that text, he invites all those who are thirsty to come to him and drink of this living water. 
He is the one whose heart flows with this water, gives the waters to all those who come to him, who put their trust and faith in him. Those people are the ones who find complete satisfaction as they receive this water, the Holy Spirit entering into their lives, finding a home in the believer's life. Our thirst quenched, total satisfaction in our Lord Jesus Christ by the Spirit. We participate in this kingdom here and now as we worship him. We join in with the angels. We're a people cleansed from our sins here and now. Our thirst satisfied here and now. This is our hope that we have for the kingdom to come, but yet it's not yet realized. And to illustrate this, let's go back to 2019. Um, the Raptors won. There were some games that had me on the edge of my seat, games that would have kicked us out of the playoffs if we lost. But now imagine that you were on this team, but you knew that you were going to win. Would you just kind of sit around on the bench doing nothing? When the ball is past you on the court, are you just going to dribble around? Does the game not still need to be played? Even if you knew you were going to win. And I know it's a thought experiment. The players would have never have known that they'd win. But we as God's people do. Will we just kind of sit around hoping that the new heavens and the new earth will enter in? I hope not. We still need to play the game. We are part of a team that is going to win, but we ought to still play hard. We are called to righteousness and holiness. We're called to persevere in faithfulness. It's not going to be a skip in the park, however. There are going to be times we experience extreme loss. Kind of like how the Raptors actually lost some of those games. It wasn't a flawless victory. It's going to feel like incredible loss immense suffering, immense pain at times, the things that are far too familiar for many of us in this room. You know, I've been at this church for around two years now. It's, it's crazy how I haven't got fired yet, praise the Lord. One thing I've really noticed is that suffering is something that we have all experienced, story after story that I've heard of what's going on in people's lives. You know, like I don't know what, what everything about, or what everything that's happening in everyone's lives what I do know is that suffering, pain, anxiety, darkness, hardships are all things that we have all gone through. We've all experienced it. Yes, perhaps some more than others, but it's something that we have all been through. You know, this Christmas season, many of us did not feel as joyous as the ones before. Some of us were not able to celebrate with certain friends, certain family members for a variety of reasons. Sometimes it's going to feel like extreme loss. But remember the hope that we have in our Lord Jesus Christ, that the battle is already won and we will win. This is our hope that we have now and the hope that will come in the future. Victory is imminent. Christ is coming. Yes, we experience the effects of sin, but we are a people not without hope. Something was lost that day in the Garden of Eden but it's being restored, and it has been restored. We have hope in the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we also must have hope in what has already come. Is it not this past Christmas? This is what we celebrated. 
Christ has come to save sinners like you and I. He has already won, bearing the full weight of this curse on that cursed tree, on the cross, when faced with struggle, when faced with loss. We are victorious still. Look to Christ who has rose from the dead, defeating sin and death, and it's only about time that he brings the final blow to this kingdom of darkness, the knockout punch to Satan. Yes, there will be extreme loss, but we are a people filled with hope. Imagine a world with no more sin, no more darkness, no more curse. This is where we're headed. This is where the church is going. A better Eden. Please pray with me. Father, we are a people filled with hope that yes, we face great loss at times. Yes, we might wonder where you are when we're faced with so much trauma and tragedy. But God, we remember our Lord Jesus Christ who has come and died and was raised to life. And we remember that he will come again to give the final blow to this kingdom of darkness. And there we will be with you for all of eternity, worshiping you and praising you of your wondrous works of creation and redemption, marveling in who you are. Father, will this hope be one that is carried into the new year? We ask that you would come quickly, as John concludes. Come, Lord. Come quickly. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Christ Church Toronto podcast. For more information about our church, you can visit our website at ChristChurchToronto.ca or email us at info at ChristChurchToronto.ca.